0: Jim Ramos is a best-selling author, speaker, and the founder of the Men in the Arena podcast, an international ministry focused on equipping men in the stress bubble of life. And I've invited him to join me here at the Off the Bench podcast to encourage men to fight passivity, to get off the bleachers, and step up in the arena of spiritual leadership. If you have a husband that you need to encourage, or you're wondering as a wife, how can I encourage this man that God has given me? This is going to be a fantastic conversation. This is. Heidi St. John, and you have found the Off the Bench podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So, hey, Jim, welcome to the podcast. This is a real honor. I'm glad that you're here.
1: Well, if this is as good as the one I had with you, we're going to have a great time today.
0: <laughs> Dude, I was telling my husband, I was like, you got to listen to Jim Ramos's Men in the Arena because you are rocking it over there. Uh, ministering to men and if ever there was a time to reach the men now's the time tell me about it we are in a real dangerous well this book here is strong men dangerous times and we're in dangerous
1: times it's dangerous yep. to be a man it's really easy to be a male i mean the world mm-hmm. applauds being being a male but a man is different you know a man is yeah. a whole different species than a male so yeah it's it's a dangerous time to be a man
0: Yeah, it is. And it seems like the feminist movement has taken direct aim at men. I mean, for a long time, you and I talked about this one of the first times that we spoke that the sitcoms of the 80s and of the 70s, you know, who was the brunt of all the jokes? It was the stupid dad who couldn't get anything done. And Mm -hmm. the mom had to come in and save the day and he couldn't carve a turkey at Thanksgiving, didn't know how to do anything. And he was lazy and, uh, uneducated. And that was the message of the feminist movement. And then they moved from that into feminizing men. First it was demoralizing them. Yeah. Now they've, now they've moved into feminizing men. You and I come from the same neck of the woods. How have you seen men in just your circles of influence change in the last 20 years?
1: Man, it has been drastic. I was, well, I was driving down the street today, going to the grocery store and I saw this dude. I, I knew it was a dude, but he was walking and shaking his hips, and his—he just looked like moved like a, a woman actually, mm-hmm. and it was the—it was confusing to me. And I—I I think that uh, men are just really confused because in their heart they know who they know who they need to be, but our mm-hmm. culture has been so dominant and overpowering. I would. I, I, I mean, feminist movement, yes, but it's way beyond that. It's way Absolutely beyond true. that. It's education. It's, it's media. And so these mm-hmm. men have become confused. And, and because uh, we live in a culture now where, you know, women and men uh, make, generally speaking, equal pay and 57 percent of college graduates are actually women and you have women in the workforce, men typically tend to default to their work as their identity and their provision mm-hmm. and and they don't have that and so men are really confused and then we have a culture telling them that the best way to be a man is to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And so it's very very confusing for guys and I I hate to blame any one movement or person. I'm all about solutions and and but these guys we need the guys guys need help. They yeah. really need help because when they defer their masculinity, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. That actually is oxymoronic. If you look at the Oxford Dictionary for masculinity, the term is an oxymoronic phrase. It, it does not fit with toxicity. And so these, these men are go, trying to figure out how do I act like a man? How do I be a man in a world that tells me that being a man is toxic? And, mm. and I argue that being a man is not toxic, being a male Is toxic. 90% of the world's problems are laid at the feet of toxic males. But men are the solution. Men.
0: All right, so you 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 just uh, labeled something that I think we don't we don't hear very often, right? So in your world, I mean, you you talk to men, right? You've got an incredible reach with mm-hmm. your podcast with men in the arena. Uh, you're reaching 250,000 men on social media, so you've got a huge influence in the life of of uh, the men who are listening yeah. to you. How do you define what's the difference when you say is a male and yeah. a man?
1: So this book right here, "Strong Men Dangerous Times," identifies five. Critical essentials to being a man over a male. So Amanda, and let me tell you, Heidi, when we when we wrote this book, we wanted to create a definition of manhood that was that crossed uh, geographical boundaries, that crossed ethnic boundaries, that ca- crossed chronological boundaries. In other words, it didn't matter if you're five or eighty-five, it didn't matter if you grew up in the 1600s, or if you grow up a 1,000 years from now, uh, it didn't matter. All these – and actually, we want to create a definition of manhood that actually transcended religion. We wanted a definition of manhood that represented biblical truth. And so we came up with five things. that's like climbing a mountain. We live in the Pacific Northwest. We love our mountains out here, right? Yes, we you know? do. And so we've got our mountains. And so the trailhead and, – and the it's funny. When I when I put this out there, men, doesn't matter what they believe. They all go, uh-huh, yes, 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 yes. So the five essentials of a, of manhood, the five essentials that separate a man from male are this: the trailhead. If we if we use a mountain motif, the trailhead is protecting integrity. Uh, integrity is the foundational component of manhood. It is the functional component of manhood. We see Adam in the garden walking around, you know, standing upright with his sex organs exposed. You know, besides Sasquatch, besides Sasquatch, we are the only creatures created to walk upright with our sex organs exposed, unashamedly. But as soon as sin entered, uh, sin, sin entered through the garden, what happens? They sow fig leaves, and now instead of standing upright, proud of themselves, naked and without a shame, they're bent over and hidden, right? Because mm-hmm. the functional, mm-hmm. comp- the functional comp- component of manhood is protecting integrity. It allows us to stand upright. It allows us to be put on display. And that the climb. So once we get past the trailhead, the climb is actually something that I believe is the greatest battle a man will ever face fighting apathy. So I've got mm. calluses on my hand right now. You can kind of see how they're all callous from lifting yeah. weights. And that is a result of, of fighting against resistance, right? I'm a big guy and I love to hunt. I love to climb mountains. And the bigger you are, the harder it is because gravity hates the big boys. Right. And so there's always this (laughs) resistance pushing me down the mountain. So with a man who steps up and says, I want to lead, I want to impact my community. I want to serve my bride. I want to sacrifice my life. I want to give my life to these things. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, but that man has to, He has pressure from all of these groups out there saying, no, don't do that. Defer, defer, defer. So he has to go against, he has to go against the culture. He has to resist and fight against this apathy, this apathetic voice saying, don't feel, don't care. You don't need to do this. Somebody else will do this. He needs to fight against that. And what makes a stronger? Resistance. Mm. So if he doesn't climb, he becomes a soft, effeminate pansy. I mean, you know, and, and I, when I mean effeminate, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you know, I'm a weightlifter. I'm a football guy. I, I hunt and kill things. I'm not talking about, you have to do that. I mean, you could drive a Prius. You could write poetry. I write poetry all the time. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. You know what <laughs> I mean? Well, people say, well, I can't be like you. I've got a Prius. I go, what are you talking about? So, so and then the apex of manhood, the summit of manhood. I have this this I, redneck man theology, Heidi. And so my, my man theology says this, if there is a God, which everybody I always, everybody I talk to says there is a God, even the atheists say, I don't believe in God. And they say, wait, you said you don't believe in God. How can you say you have no faith in something, but you call it out by name to say that you yep. don't believe in God is a statement of faith, bro. And they start cussing at me anyway. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, you just profess you know faith in God. I said, you don't believe in this God. This is why
0: you and I live in the Pacific Northwest. I I like, it's fantastic. People are yes. so
1: funny. So the mm-hmm. apex of manhood, in fact, the apex of humanity, the apex of womanhood. If there is a God and if he did create me, he, everything, anything created is loved by the one that creates us. So if he created me, he must love me. And if he lo- must love me, he must have a plan for me. right? So all of these things, as, you, as they logically trickle down, we come to the conclusion that of this. We can never reach our full potential as a man or a woman without radical devotion to the God who made us, and his name is Jesus mm. Christ. We have to do it. It's just, and yeah. that's the summit of manhood. And so, now here's the part: your your list, your ladies are gonna. I know you have seventy percent women audience, and the ladies, ladies, you're gonna love this, the backside of manhood. So, a guy, a guy, you have a, you're married to a man, ladies. He's got wonderful integrity. Heidi, I know Jay's got that. You've we talked about that on our podcast. And then these guys fight apathy. They're climbing. I just spit on my mic. They're climbing. <laughs> they give their lives to Jesus, right? So here's this man. He's on the pinnacle of the mountain. He's on the summit. And here's what happens to most guys. They, you get to the summit, guys love to conquer. So typically when guys conquer, they lean back and relax on the downhill. But on Mount Everest, every year in the death zone that's above 2,600 meters, no, 2,600 feet, more people die on the descent than the climb. Mm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them, I believe, is they relax and they don't focus. Mm-hmm. And so what That's happened Yes. And what happens to men, Heidi, is they they go, hey, man, hey, uh, mer- women's ministry, you take care of my wife, children's mm. ministry, you take care of my kid, youth ministry, you take care of my teenager. And what these guys do is they lean back and defer and they don't engage. And what what I what I have to tell guys all the time is when you lean back like that, you lose traction. I was hiking out of the mountains with a, a buck several years ago. I've, I will actually, I did it this year too. And whenever you lean forward on the descent, you have traction. Although it's scary when you have a hundred pounds on your back, but if you lean backwards, you lose traction. So we mm-hmm. tell men, you've got to lean into your leadership role. You know, Hebrews ten thirty nine says, we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but through faith are saved. And so we need to lean in and engage. And so You know, I was a pastor all my life, and I'm still doing full-time ministry, so I I can't really tell guys to do what I did because they freak out, right? Because in some ways, I was paid to be a Christian. I'm paid to read my Mm -hmm. Bible, paid to pray, paid to give, paid to serve. So I just tell guys this. And ladies listening, man, I would just say, here's the thing that we need to help our men do. Do something. Anything. Like, one of the things that guys don't do, which I'm shocked, just ask your man. My wife is... the, the The best women out there know how to speak man language, right? And men don't respond well to being told. When when they're told, it's like kicking them in the groin. But Mm -hmm. men respond well to questions. Hey, honey, Mm -hmm. who's going to pray for the meal? Hey, honey, I mean, ask him the question. Let Mm -hmm. him answer it. He doesn't need you to degrade him and disrespect him and to figuratively kick him in the cojones. Mm -hmm. He needs Mm you to... tell him how awesome he is and that you encourage him to lead have you ever heard the story of barbara bush and george bush ever tell you that story no oh gosh this is the best story ever this is my whole view of women in ministry are you ready
0: <laughs> oh no oh yeah yeah
1: this is my whole view <laughs>
0: if it has to oh, do yeah. with the bushes oh really like, okay, you're, gonna okay, go Lo- you're gonna love it you're gonna love it so george right, george okay. senior
1: they're driving across west texas they've got there he's is this a he's, true story he's the you well as far as i know it is i read it in reader's okay, digest okay. He's going across the country in his colonnade full of his limo and all these people, his bodyguards. He gets in there's nothing out in West Texas, right? Well, he, he has to go to the bathroom. So he gets out of the limo. He goes to the bathroom at this gas station in the middle of nowhere. He gets out and Barbara, who everybody loved Barbara, I don't care yeah. if you love George or not, but she everybody loved force.
0: Barbara. Yeah.
1: And she's having this lively conversation with a gas station attendant. And they get in the car and President Bush says, man, what, what were you doing talking to that gas station attendant? And Barbara goes, well, you know, That was my high school sweetheart. (laughs) And and George Bush starts, he starts laughing. He starts laughing. And she says, What are you laughing about, George? He says, My wife, the most, the the wife of the most powerful man in the world talking to a gas station attendant. She said, Hold on. If I would have married him, he'd be the president of the United States. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Anyway, so so my whole thing is my whole thing is you know they say they say behind every good man is a wo- great woman. I say no, beside mm. every great man is a good woman. And so uh, wa- men really need their wives to. I'm a better man because I have a warrior queen that I married to. In yeah. fact, her phone in my phone, she's the queen. That's her name in my phone. And so we need strong <laughs> women to call us up. And so often we live in a culture where the women of the West so often call their men out. But not Mm. call them up.
0: I love that. Yeah. 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 And and I would say call them in. Yeah. So talk to talk to well, first of all, I mean, you can obviously, you know, you can encourage the men and you're gonna do that as you're as you're speaking this truth today. But talk to the the women who are just going, listen, I'm so frustrated. You know, I keep saying, honey, would you lead devotions? Honey, would you this? And pretty soon it kind of turns into nagging. And now the husband feels like, listen, I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know how to do that stuff. That's Mm -hmm. not my job. I go to work. Leave me alone. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to hear kind of the do's and the don'ts, like what will encourage your husband and what would discourage him? Because I think sometimes as women, we're doing things we think we're doing the right thing, but we're actually doing the right thing in the wrong way. Right. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: So my wife has a T-shirt and it says, feed me tacos and tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> and so really that pretty much surmises what I need to do as a husband for her. I just feed her. I'm, I'm the cook. I love to cook. And I tell her she's pretty. Nice. And I do it every day. And so for men, I, if I had a T-shirt, it would, say, it would say, make love to me and tell me I'm awesome. That's right. I mean, pretty much. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, I mean if I'm being honest. Jay wants, my
0: husband wants that shirt. He's yeah.
1: like nodding in the affirmative. Heck yes. That's Heck the shirt. Heck yes. That's the shirt when you're homeschooling. When you're homeschooling and you have slobber all over, that's the shirt you should be wearing. Anyway, that's but right. uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think, I, so men, 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 I believe that if a woman is married to a Christian man, he wants to do what is right. Mm-hmm. But maybe he was raised in a, in a family that was uh, dysfunctional, or he's a first-generation Christian like I am. And he maybe just, his father was passive. Maybe his father was passive. Who knows what his story is? Mm-hmm. But now he married you, and he married you to sharpen him. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as one person sharpens another, right? Uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that word another in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word penne, and it means, uh, it means face. And so it's our job to sharpen each other's countenance, our face, our eyes. Like we need to, we need to, we don't want to have a husband who walks in frumpy and downtrodden because he's getting beat down all the time. Mm -hmm. So a woman needs to learn the art of sharpening her husband and helping to sharpen his face, his countenance, so that he actually believes in himself. And I do believe, I do believe with all my heart, and I, I know this may be. Theologically weird for some people out there who are overly traditional, but I think that a, a woman, her job is the neck. And he, if the husband is ahead, she is the neck. She needs to push him out in front. And yes, even though he may lead a devotion, he, she's the one saying, Honey, can you do this? Here's what I would say to a, a woman pick one thing in the new year. I don't know when this is going to be released. Pick one thing in 2024 and, and, and work on that with your husband. Maybe you don't pray before the meals. Just say, We are going to pray. For, we, I'm going to help my husband. I'm going to wag the, net, the head and I'm going to help him to pray for the meals. Now, here's the problem that people make every year on New Year's. New Year's. They say, I'm a fat person and I'm going to get skinny. I'm going to go to the gym and work out five days a week. That is a horrible idea. Horrible.
0: Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, I know it's hard to find books worth reading to our kids these days, as the woke indoctrination folks are working really hard to deceive our kids. We know that focusing on intentional family time, teaching our kids truth and traditional values, cultivating healthy family habits, that's how you build a strong family. Well, Brave Books is writing books that teach faith-based values, like the sanctity of life, discernment, or perseverance and you can subscribe and receive a brand new read aloud book each month with corresponding family activities. Guys, these are high quality picture books for children, and I promise your kids are going to love them. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code Heidi for 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. That I was just going to say, you just one over, day a week, now you overpromise and you're going to underdeliver. Then you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. Yes. And it happens
1: yeah. over and over and over. So go to the, so get your husband to pray for one meal a week
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then do that for a couple months and then ask him to do two. And maybe in the middle of that, you're having the kids pray and maybe you pray, but you mix it up, but you, but you try to encourage, you want to encourage him to be the one leading that thing. Hey, honey, can you ask the kid who, which kid do you want to pray today? Just lead him, lead him down that path and help him develop a habit which he may not have. Uh, I think that women have a natural propensity towards spiritual things, uh, probably more natural than men. And so men need to be trained. They need to be trained in that. And so I would tell women, you want to tell him he's awesome. Lead him down that path. You hear, hear me using the word lead a lot. So he's the leader, but you need to lead him down that path to lead. If, if you're wanting something that he's not delivering, you need to help him. You need to bring him along. You need to help wag, you know, wag that head a little bit and help him because mm-hmm. he wants mm-hmm. help. And, and I would say the other thing that you should never do as a wife, don't ever demean your husband in front of your kids. Mm. Don't ever, ever do that. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, Paul, this is a household code. Paul tells men it's either four or five times to love their wives, to agape their wives. Why? Because men don't naturally default to love. Women default to love. Women, they just naturally overflow with love. Everything about them, their bodies are are made to nurture and to love and raise up. Everything about a woman is love. She defaults to love. It's just so easy for her. But Paul, And Paul never tells a wife in Ephesians 5, to 33 to love her husband, not one time. But he does say, respect him. Because a woman's default is love, a man's default is respect. So God asks a man to do what's hard for him, which is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And he asks a woman to do what's hard for her, which is respect her husband. So wow. so what so and this is hard women don't naturally respect their husbands their insecurities flare up uh, in in Genesis 3 uh, uh, God told Eve, your desire will be to control your husband that's what that Hebrew means and so she needs to be very careful to to respect him in front of the kids and respect him or at least speak respectfully to him mm-hmm. right because because the last thing that you ever want a leader to do is be disrespected by the people that he's, uh, you know, supposed to be leading. Mm-hmm. And so she needs to help him.
0: It's interesting, too, in, and we touch this. I hope I'll link back to in the show notes today, uh, the podcast that if your your platform that I got the privilege of being on. Men yeah, yeah, arena, yeah. Such a great conversation. And one of the things that we had touched on was just the differences between men and women yes so the culture is trying very hard to blur those lines right to say it doesn't really matter you know women can be more masculine And i'm not saying there's necessarily i mean then you know all the people who are like see girls are only supposed to wear skirts which i completely reject i think this yeah. is a posture of the heart right Absolutely. and so we know that god has created us differently and i think one of the things that's so interesting you know i've been married for coming up on 35 years you guys have been married for a long time 32 rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And, it, and it, it takes, it takes work. And one of the things Jay and I noticed early on in our marriage and man, I had, I had, I fought this so hard because we were wired so differently, particularly as it relates to how we love each other. And, and it took us several years to figure out like I needed, you know, cause you know, Jay and I are newlyweds. So he wants sex all the time, you know, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday, if he can get it. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, see me, notice me. You know, pay attention to me. How do you yeah. do that? It starts in the kitchen with dinner. Hey, how about you notice that they, that there's dishes stacked everywhere and just come alongside me and say, how yep. can I help you? Yeah. You know, and I needed to make that emotional connection with him to feel that love from him before I could transfer that to a physical connection.
1: Yep, totally. And
0: there was a light bulb that came on when we realized he needs that physical connection in order to make the emotional one. How true is this across the board, Jim? It's the age-old battle. It's the age-old battle
1: that we've seen this since kids are 14 and 15 years old, that, women, that girls give sex for love and guys give love for sex. It's mm-hmm. this age-old battle. And I remember my wife and I, when we were first married, I'd be like, because I was like your husband, right? You know, right. Uh, you know and, so it'd be, and we had this routine. I give you massage. <laughs> you take care of business. And so it got to the <laughs> point where I go, hey, honey, you want to rub your feet? She go, yeah, I don't feel like having sex tonight. But
0: then around a a year 10
1: at year 10, <laughs> Ten year 10 years. Well, it's a
0: decade now a decade has passed moment of silence my i realized
1: i need to i need to outlove and outserve my wife even if she never reciprocates because the bible tells me to be Christ to her right mm. so God asked the women to have the attitude of submission. He asked the man to have the action of sacrifice. So I decided at year, it was probably year eight, Heidi, to give myself some credit. I decided <laughs> to make her coffee every morning, rub her feet. And so like last night, I was rubbing her feet last night. I rub her feet all the time, and I never ask for sex when I rub her feet. And I get more sex than I've ever had in my life after 32 yep. years because it's, she knows I'm going to love her and show her affection. Hello. That's the key. I'm going to show her affection without the expectation of reciprocation. And when mm. I can be that to her, when I can be Christ to her, then she naturally, I, she may not, not all of them, not all women, I guess, would. I don't know. I'm only married to one. But I'm trusting <laughs> God, right, that she will you know, want to love me the way I'm loving her. And that's, mm-hmm. that has worked out beautifully for us. But even here's the, here's the deal, Heidi. Even if my wife didn't reciprocate, it doesn't matter. I'm still called mm-hmm. the lover's Christ of the church. And women, women, even if your man doesn't step into that role, you're still called to step outside of your default and respect him and uh, you know and to make, to and to continue to call him up and to continue to call him in and limit how often you call him out. Yeah. You'd be very Ooh, wise, be that. very call wise. Him up. In.
0: Limit how often you call them out, and yeah. I will tell you. I mean, as someone who's married for a really long time, I'm a strong. I'm a strong woman. I have. I see things in shades of black and white. I'm not like much of a gray area person, and it's very easy for me to see something I don't like in my husband or some you know, decision he's made or something he's thinking and just say the first thing that comes to my mind. And I've had to learn, wow, I can wound him with my words, oh. right? I don't even mean to necessarily, but I can wound him with my words. And so for me, it's that constant, like, okay, Heidi, you don't, you, you don't actually need to say that, you know, Lord, give me the words that I need to say to my husband so that I can call him up instead of call him out. Because I think women don't realize the, uh, the influence and the impact that the oh. things that we say have on our husbands.
1: So powerful. And la- Heidi, let me say this because I said this on the show with you, when, but I, I want to say this to your audience. Listen, I, I, am the, I am the biggest fan of strong women. What movies won't tell you is the West was won because of a revival during the Victorian age where the women stopped opening their legs for any man and said, if you, wanna, if you want this, put a ring on it. And the West was won by women who are holy unto God and strong, and this world needs strong women. Strong women perpetuate strong men. Strong men perpetuate strong women. The problem with our culture today is everybody's opening their legs for everybody else. Everybody's so morally weak, there's nobody building strength into our culture, and we need dynamic, strong, bold, and powerful women. I, I can't stand weak women. I mean, that's why I like you. I'm like, run for president. I'll vote for you. Run for Congress. I mean, I like strong women.
0: It's going to take a lot more than that.
1: (laughs) I know. But you know what I'm saying? Because your your husband is stronger today because he married a warrior queen. And Hmm. you are stronger today because you married a stallion. Isn't that interesting? Women want to be called a queen. Men don't care about being called king. He wants to be called a stud that's Come on you big true. stud. I mean women yeah. need to, you know, women need to realize that call your husband what you want him to be.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. That's part of the calling him up. Yes. Right? You, hey, come on, you Call big stud. Call your husband what you want him to be. Uh, I want to really quickly, uh, I just want to touch on sex in marriage because that's the, that's the second, probably yep. the biggest question that I get out on the road. So misunderstood in marriage. And I think um, the, the messages that the culture sends to women, I saw an interview, a really long, you know, old interview with a, that uh, Oprah Winfrey did with Cher a long time ago, oh, wow. and she said, "You know, you know, why do you need men?" and and uh, and Cher was like, "What? Why? Why would we need a man? That's just so stupid." And I just thought this was the beginning, like way back in the 80, early 80s, early eighties, when yeah. we started hearing these messages and women started using sex as a weapon, and we see this even reverberate a lot of women who've experienced abuse in one one arena of life or another. They bring that into marriage with them. But sex is a very precious part of the marriage relationship. It's hugely important to your husband. Mm-hmm. Talk to the women right now. I mean, I talk to women all the time. I'm not kidding you, Jim, who will tell me why well, I haven't slept with my husband in three months or I haven't slept with my husband in six months or a year or, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter to me or he doesn't ask me or he doesn't care. And I'm like, no, I guarantee you he cares. I guarantee you how important is this uh Jim to a, a healthy marriage. And what would, if, a, if the husband could say to his wife, you know, this is what's important to me, how is the best way for him to communicate with that with her? I'll tell you one really quickly too long time ago. And I, it was probably, it might've been 15 years into our marriage. Jay and I, I mean, we're, you know, we got a million kids It felt like at the time and we were going to add more. So we weren't quite to the pinnacle and we were tired you know, just a uh, lot of the the pressures of young parenthood and all of those things. And I remember there felt like just this continuing sort of disconnect between me and my husband, this distance that sort of was there that neither one of us knew really how to mm-hmm. to breach the distance. And we went out for coffee one morning and I remembered just thinking, OK, I, I didn't want him to tell me one more thing I was doing wrong. Right. And I didn't need him to say, well, if only blah, 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 if only, you know, and and I thought I was praying all the way there, like, Lord, help me get to the heart of this issue in a way that we can have an open, honest conversation. And it would allow him to talk to me. But with me to introduce a conversation saying, hey, please be tender with with my heart because i'm under an awful lot of pressure i got kids tugging at me every which way you know sun up to sundown by the time he came home from work i was like no touchy
1: (laughs) these are are not these are milk machines
0: that's that's (laughs) right i am a no-go zone right i
1: know i was told that yes by my wife oh my
0: goodness (laughs) but i remember just it was totally the lord because i i I lean across the table and i said hey jay you know how would you rate our sex life on say a scale of nine to 10, <laughs> like you know, I'm not, I didn't say, how would you rate our sex life on a scale of one to 10? I said, how are you, how would you rate it on a scale of nine to 10? Which basically oh, that's told funny. Him, I'm willing to talk about this, but please don't give it a zero. Yeah. Please don't say I'm doing all these things wrong. And, and, and thank God. I mean, he took the message and we were able to just talk about his needs and my needs and kind of where we were in a way that was helpful instead of hurtful. But talk to the mom who's like, you know, maybe there, or maybe there's a husband who's listening to this going, you know what? I give up, you know, it's so discouraging.
1: It's really interesting. My, my thoughts on that have changed over the years a little Mm -hmm, bit. Let me explain to what I mean. You know, in the Bible, we read in first Corinthians seven, we read, you know, do not deprive each other. Right. And so I remember when we were early on married and my, we were having kids, my wife was with the kids all the time. She was nursing, you know, um, for it's her, exhausting. It's she was exhausted, but yeah. she knew yeah. she knew how I needed her to express love, and she knew my needs, and so she took care of me. So all of our marriage, we've had a great sex life. So now in the last two or three years, my it's shifted to where now she is the one who's more um, sexually aggressive. So now I find myself saying, okay, honey, if you want to. So it's kind of switched. So before she was the one, I was initiating it. Now she's initiated. Now I will say this, and here's what I will say. I th- and, I, and my wife has been great about this, and I think most women are not good at this. this just from what, because I counsel people all the time, and my second question when I judge the health of marriage is tell me about your sex life. And so, I, so 1 Corinthians 7 talks about do not deprive each other. We read that as guys, and we go, oh, sex. Because every time I have sex, I have an orgasm. So now let's flip the script on this and let's say that verse is not about sex. What if that verse is about orgasm? We as men have been failing our wives. And so if a man entered the sexual union with the object or the goal of being Christ to his wife. I know this is getting weird of serving his wife and if mm-hmm. he enters that now sometimes she's too tired and she doesn't because it takes longer. Women are like a Crockpot. Men are like a microwave. Yeah, yeah. But when she has the time and she's in a place where she can relax and focus that he is Christ to his wife and he does not deprive her of an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And he she knows that whenever she engages she's going to come out on top of this thing. I think mm-hmm. she would be much more willing, but she also has to, again, ladies, we have to wag, you know, we, I got to be careful. I don't want to, something kind of come out sounding really wrong there. I don't want to <laughs> say wag, the, you need to wag the head. <laughs> but, but what Uh-oh. I'm saying is she needs, to, she needs to coach her husband. Yeah, and, and a lot of these women are never told, hey, it's okay to have an orgasm. And, and I think, that, I think that, that for a man serving his wife, his goal should be that for her. And she Mm -hmm. needs to help him down that pathway so it's not always him getting his needs taken care of and never hers. And I I think a lot of marriages, Heidi, are are sad sexually in that it's all about the man having an orgasm and and not him taking care of his wife. So true. Yeah, I I hear it it, a lot. So I think that the man who wants to be Christ to his wife and she can lead him in that and say, hey, I want you to take care of me and just Mm -hmm. coach him through it
0: hmm. It's I mean, so good. And it goes back to that communication. And honestly, we have to be willing, you know, when we have those conversations, remembering, hey, You know, there's another human being on the other end of this conversation and I can either build him or her up. I can either build my husband up in this conversation or I can tear him down. One of those two things is going to happen. And so it's wisdom to say, hey, father, help me. You know, and I've been I actually told my daughters when they got married. So there are going to be a lot of things in your life that you're going to be praying for. I said, I would encourage you to pray for a healthy sex life with your husband. God can handle it. He made you. Yep. He made you, and he, this is such an important part. It's an important part of connection that you'll have with him, hopefully your whole life. And it's, uh, and it's a gift from the Lord, right. Yeah. And extends long after you're done having children and long into, uh, long after, you know, all of the, the exciting things of marriage are sort of like, we bought our first house, we've had our children, all these things. And I'd said to my husband recently, uh, I think the longer we're married the more thankful I am that we have paid attention to this aspect of our marriage because our kids are moving out. We've got one kid left at home and I look forward to being with him uh, because he's done such a good job of loving me well. And as women, we want to love our husbands. Well, I want my husband to be like, I'm I'm going home to that girl. I'm going home to her. You know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to have, I don't need to be rubbernecking any other woman because I got it going on at home. And, uh, yeah. boy, I'll tell you, you foster a relationship like that with your husband, and it's uh, it's only getting better from there. Uh, Jim Ramos, such a delight to have you on the show. Where can people find you online?
1: Man, if, if they just go to meninthearena.org, everything we have is right there, and we're all over social media platforms. I try not to highlight me. I highlight uh, what God is using through our ministry. So meninthearena.org or meninarena on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, we're all over the place.
0: I love it. Well, you are just—you're an awesome human being, and I have absolutely loved this conversation. And I can't wait to uh, to get some feedback from my audience about. It. Let's do it again because it's straight fire. It's I know. Fire. I'm, I'm
1: still kind of going. I said you wagged the head. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know I'm gonna get. You're gonna get some feedback from that, Heidi. Can I just well, say? Well, you yeah. know,
0: I'll just tell him he's from Portland. I don't know what to tell No, him. I, I am, mean, is, I am not is from Portland. I am he from- too close to Portland.
1: Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls.
0: <laughs> you know only the girl who grew up in Portland can say that.
1: That is that true. Would be me. <laughs> I will I will take it from you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's been a delight to have you. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on and I really I mean it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it again. We're
1: going to do this again for sure.
0: You guys want more information on Jim Ramos and his incredible ministry to men. Check it out at the Men in the Arena podcast. Find him online. He's got a couple of really great books. Brand new one right coming out in 2024. What's the name of that, Jim?
1: It's called Dialed In, Reaching Your Full Capacity as a Man of God.
0: I love it. Can't wait. Jim Ramos, what an honor to have you here. Let's do it again. You got it, for sure. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Off the Bench podcast. Love your people well, and I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.